The reading this morning will be taken from Genesis, Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 31. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 31. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed. To you it shall be for food. Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life. I have given every green herb for food, and it was so. Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Good morning. It is good to see each of you. Beautiful Sunday morning, beautiful snow outside. Uh, If you don't like the snow, you should have got up earlier this morning, and we didn't have snow early this morning. I couldn't believe when I was here early, uh, a few minutes into the the morning, I looked out and I thought, that roof looks awful white over there. And uh, and it had snowed in in the time that I'd walked in. Uh, But we're glad you're here, and we hope that the snow has not been a hindrance Uh, to you, and we thank you for being here. If you're visiting with us, thank you so much for being here this morning. It encourages us, and we hope that we can be an encouragement to you. The month of February, we often in America think of relationships. And as we think of relationships, I want to ask you a question that we'll be considering from time to time throughout this month. Are you safe in your relationships? Other people that are in relationships with you, are they safe? In other words, you. Are you a safe person to have a relationship with? Wouldn't it be a tragedy if one of the most important occasions, circumstances, involvements in our life, that of relationships, are things that we do not deal with wisely? In the early 1900s, there was a gentleman named Carl Wallander. Carl's family was from Germany. For 150 years prior to his birth, his family had gone about various venues, performing, juggling acts, acrobatics, clowns, even animal training. In his family, he took this to a whole nother level. John Ringling saw his act in Cuba and immediately signed him up and his family for the greatest show on earth. You see, what he demonstrated that day has not really, in its truest sense, been copied. There would be three tiers on a tightrope made up of four individuals. The two on the bottom tier would ride a bicycle, each on a bicycle. There would be two bicycles with a bar between the two individuals. On that bar, Carl would sit on a chair. And then, after grasping his balance, he would stand on the chair. 
And then he would invite his wife to come and to climb atop of his shoulders while he's standing on the chair that is balanced on a bar that's suspended between two men on bicycles on a tightrope. This act obviously gained attention for decades. Late in his life, he retired from that continual traveling and did more acts that was just he himself. He's walked across the Astrodome. He's crossed Niagara Falls at the age of 65. But something happened when he was 73 years of age. He's in Puerto Rico. There he was very high in the sky walking when he fell to his death. You say maybe it was his age. 73 years old is kind of old to be tight rope walking. No, it wasn't his age. Well, maybe it's a wind that's always concerned on outdoor walks. No, it wasn't the wind. Someone that had attached a guide wire had did, done so inappropriately, is not connected correctly. And it caused him to stumble and to lose his balance. And this man that had walked miles of tightrope under all kinds of situations simply stumbled and fell and died. It's amazing what can happen when you lose your balance. This month, I hope that you and I will refresh our energies to look carefully at relationships. Because just as in the story that's been depicted here, we all, in a sense, have someone on our shoulders. Anytime you or I are involved in relationships, it's not just us or it wouldn't be a relationship. And so when you name a relationship in your mind, there's someone else on your shoulders. And if that relationship is to be sound, if it's to be healthy, if it's to be blessed, if it's to be one that is prosperity, if it is to be a relationship where the individuals in that relationship are safe, you have to keep your balance. In other words, you have to be aware that there's certain things you can do in relationships that's healthy, and you also have to be aware of the fact that there are certain things that you do in relationships that it will harm those relationships every time. Not only causing harm in your life, but in relationships when we do things wrong, it always causes harm in the lives of others also. You know, this morning I could just mention to you, and, and you could mention as many if not more than I can, but just for example's sake, let me mention to you, I am a son, I am a husband, I am a father, I am a son of God, I am a brother and uh, I have brothers and sisters in Christ, I am a citizen of, a, of America, I am an employee. There's six, seven, or eight relationships that we mentioned just like that. And all of you can mention that many, if not more, just as easily and just as quickly. What is the point of that? The point is all of us are involved in not just relationships. They're important. What we've just mentioned are the most important things in life. Friends, when you boil everything down about our life, what it ultimately comes down to is relationships. Relationships better be the foundation on which we stand, and it better be the mark for which we strive to obtain. And everything in between are just some, some details. But the bottom line is, relationships is what matters the most. We've just had the text so capably read for us. I 
out of the beginning of the Bible. It was about the beginning of time when God created man. I'd like for you to notice on this next slide, we have a reference to Genesis, the first chapter in verse 1. If you want to open your Bible, you'll see it there in Genesis 1 and 1. And then we'll make a reference to the verse that was read in the text of 1 and 26. It's interesting that what we do not read in the Bible in Genesis 1 and 1 is that God was created in the beginning. Notice it says, in the beginning, God created. Obviously, God already existed in the beginning. So as God existed in the beginning, who's God? Now, the Trinity of Godhead is sometimes confusing, sometimes mysterious. But notice as we read in Genesis, the first chapter in verse 26, as he says, Then God said, Let us... Make man in our own image according to our own likeness. Let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And God said, let us. What do you mean, let us? Friends, I need to realize that relationships were not created in the beginning. Relationships already existed before the beginning of time. Because Godhead is made up of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. And of course, what we know about the Godhead, or the Godhood of God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, is what has been revealed to us. And what is revealed to us is that the relationship is close, it's genuine, it's faithful, it's loyal, it's true between the Godhead. In other words, when we hear God the Father... Speak of His Son. You remember the two times that the silence of heaven was broken? Where each time God said, This is my beloved Son, and who I am well pleased. Think about that. God, now, how do you feel about your Son? This is my, my beloved, my beloved Son. And when he was baptized, that was the silence that broke heaven. When Peter wanted to erect the, the, the temple or the tabernacle to Elijah and to Moses as well as to Jesus, you can't do that. We're only worshiping God through Jesus. And that was the silence that broke heaven and ended by saying, hear ye him. Another time in John the 12th chapter, the silence of heaven was broken by God by saying that he would glorify his son. God the Father and God the Son love each other dearly. They're close. That relationship existed before the creation in the very beginning of Genesis 1. When we see Jesus speaking of the Father while He was on this earth, you remember when, now think about relationships. You remember when his mother and father searched for him and finally came in and found him in the temple at 12 years of age? Notice the emphasis here of relationships. You would think that he would get up and run and hug his mother and father and say, Oh, I've missed you. I I wondered where you've been the last day or so. I'm glad to see you. But instead, when his mother questioned why that he would concern them the way he did, instead of addressing their earthly relationship, he said, Don't you know I must be about my father's business. And so we see here the emphasis that Jesus had, even on this earth, for the love for the Father and even the Holy Spirit. John 16 teaches us that He doesn't speak by His own authority. 
but that everything he says is to glorify Jesus. Friends, I need to note that not only do we have three circles here representing the three members of the Godhead, but notice that they're interlinking. They're one. John the 17th chapter, Jesus prayed that the believers would be one as He and the Father are one. Friends, when we discuss relationships, I don't know of anything we could discuss that would be of greater importance. Because this is eternal. This topic is not something that was created. This topic is something that has always been. How are you and I doing in the area of these relationships? Now, with this in mind, I'd like you to think about something that God shows us, and and we could address a thousand characteristics that would all be wonderful. But I'd like for you to note this one thing. What we learn about the Godhead is that they're never disloyal to each other. The Father was always faithful to the Son. One of the greatest phrases that we read in the Scriptures is that God is faithful. It's only three words, but don't overlook the importance of those three words. If those three words were not true, there would be no great glory in a Godhead. There would be no great emphasis for you and I to be followers of God. But God the Father never once was disloyal to the Son. God the Son was never once disloyal to His Father or to the Spirit. God the Spirit has never tried to claim the glory that was due to the Son or due to the Father. They were always one. They were always in relationships to esteem each other and to benefit the cause that each other are a part of. You see, if we are going to be in relationships, what God would have us to be, the greatest place to begin is to see the relationships of the Godhead. Now, just a little side note that I thought was so interesting. I never heard or thought about or even knew. This past week, uh, Phil and Andrew and myself had lunch with a missionary that many of you would probably know, Brad Blake. And he works in Nigeria in the mission field and reaches out especially to Muslims. And so we were just asking him questions about how do you reach a Muslim? And one thing that was so interesting, he says, you know, even in their writings, they understand that there was twice that their great prophet Muhammad sinned. And so he says, we take them to those passages and we remind them and they immediately agree. Yeah, that's right. He did. He had to ask God to forgive him. And then he says, now, what about the great prophet Jesus? He had no sin." And the Muslims agree with that. They understand the Scriptures and they know that Jesus did not have sin. And he says, from there we begin to take them to an understanding that this prophet deserves a greater uh, credit, a greater appreciation, a greater estimation than that of Mohammed. And he says, then we're able and hopefully to try to move them into an understanding that he's not just a prophet, that he's the great Messiah, just like the woman did in John the fourth chapter, who thought first that he was a stranger, that he was just a Jew, and eventually a sir, and then finally a prophet, or also a prophet, and then finally she declared, you are the Messiah. 
But now note this. Isn't it interesting that the way they're able to do that is to prove that Jesus was never once unfaithful in His relationship to His Father. Friends, if I can understand that God has never let me down, it's going to help build a stronger faith within me. If I can understand that my responsibility to God, even though we know we are not perfect, my responsibility to God is that my goal is I don't ever once want to let God down. That's not being a Pharisee. Being a Pharisee is when we apply laws or traditions that God has not even uh, ordained. It is a better-than-thou attitude of looking down upon others. And it really discouraged me to hear individuals speak of striving to live a perfect life and someone else call that pharisaical. No. Striving to live a perfect life is building a righteous relationship with God. And when we do that in our families, do you really, with your spouse or with your children, with your other family members, your parents, do you really with your neighbors, do you really with your church family, do you really want a perfect relationship? Meaning, you're going to give your all. Now, we know we're on earth and there's never going to be perfection. But are you willing to, to challenge yourself and to set that as a goal that you want to be faithful and true, never disloyal in your relationships? Point number two. If you will, look with me as we think about in the beginning. In the beginning. Let's go uh, to Genesis, the first chapter. We've already established that before the beginning there was relationships, but now let's go back to in the beginning for just a minute. In Genesis 1, the first few verses, you know, God created light. And I want you to notice in verse 4 what he said, And God saw the light, that it was good. And then we read about the third day in verse 9 and 10. And you remember that this is where he separated the waters and dry land appeared and there was water. And notice at the end of verse 10, when he sees the land and the seas, God saw that it was good. And then coming into the 12th verse, we see that there was grass and trees uh, uh, on the third day. And, and notice at the end of it, he saw it and it was good. And then going into the 18th verse, we see that the sun, the moon, the stars have been created. And at the end of verse 18, and God saw that it was good. And then the fish and the birds were created and in 21. And notice the very end of 21. And God saw it was good. And then we go over to verse 25, and we see that on the sixth day, the beasts of the field were created. And God stops and evaluates there before he makes Adam. He stops there and evaluates looking at the beast, and he says, and God saw that it was good. And he creates Adam, and he gives another summary in verse 31. And this is kind of a, a complete summary here. Look at 31. God saw everything that he had made, and indeed, it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Then in Genesis 2, he tells the story of creation again, and he places the emphasis on mankind. And he mentions some things about the Garden of Eden and the way God had made things. And again, he mentions again, it was good at least two other times. But there's something that stands out when we look in the second chapter in verse 18. Read with me, if you will, the very first time that we read about something not being good. Look at Genesis 2 and 18. And the Lord God said, it is not good. 
that man should be alone. I'll make him a helper comparable to him. Friends, that's significant. God goes day by day creating and every time saying, that's good, that's good, that's good, that's good. Wait a minute. We have something here that's not good. Adam is missing the relationship that he needs. You remember it's at this time that God allowed him the opportunity, gave him the responsibility to name all the animals. And as he named the animals, it was obvious that each animal had a companion. And it's at the end of that that he realizes his own loneliness and God declares it's not good for him to be alone. He places him into a deep sleep, removes the rib and creates woman. And just as he had been naming all of the animals, when he sees woman appear, he too names her. Bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman. Friends, we see here a beautiful, beautiful creation that God is giving humans to share in relationships. It's interesting to me, if you would read with me in 24 and 25, and uh, the 26 on the screen is a typo. And um, notice in Genesis 2 and 24 and 25, he says, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Now, it's interesting to me to note, number one, that God never reached a time in Genesis 1 or Genesis 2 where He said, wait a minute, I want to talk to you some about relationships. I want to tell you what we're going to do here. We're going to institute marriage. It'll be a wonderful relationship that man and woman can share in. And also, I want to tell you about parenting that's going to be involved. It's interesting to me the way God reveals all this. He just shows the loneliness of man and then immediately creates woman and then speaks of marriage as if we'd understand what it is. And we do read the rest of the Bible and we do figure out what it is. But note here, three relationships that have been referred to in just these two verses that we've just read of 24 and 25. The first one that he mentions is the relationship of parents, mother and father. What a beautiful thought. God created that. Mentions it in the very beginning. Another relationship that he mentions immediately is that of a wife, a husband and a wife, that of marriage. But then a third relationship that he mentions is in verse 25. I know it's not directly, but it's definitely indirectly taught. Because notice in 25, he says they were both naked and not ashamed. You say, what relationship is that referring to? That's referring to the relationship with God. Because then we read into the next chapter and we find out at what point in time did they become ashamed of their nakedness. And they became ashamed of their nakedness when they sinned. In other words, when their relationship was right with God, they had no shame for their nakedness. And so here we see in Genesis, the second chapter, God saying, let me create this for Adam so, so woman and man can have that companionship for life. Let me design marriage. Let me design parenthood. And let me place all of this upon a foundation of their relationship is right with me. Friends, that's a beautiful description of relationships when our first and foremost, our relationship is right with God. Relationships, they were before the beginning with the Godhead. Relationships, for us, they were created whenever God created man and woman. But now notice this. It comes as no surprise as we lay this groundwork here 
that we read Jesus speaking of the greatest commandment. Look at Matthew, the 22nd chapter, verse 37 and 38 and 39. And notice this reading for relationships. Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is likened to it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now notice this is where Jesus is asked, what is the first commandment? He says, I can tell you the first and the greatest commandment. One is love God with all of your being. He's referring to that faithful, loyal relationship that we are to have with God. It's all of our being. It's not just a Sunday thing. It's that we are loyal to God day in, day out, moment in and moment out. But now notice also, we love others. If I mention things like this to you, the second mile, how did Jesus teach that? He taught us to practice the second mile toward others. If I mention to you the golden rule, obviously, what's that? What Jesus taught us to do unto others as we have them do unto, uh, as, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you in our relationship to others. Think about the lessons on forgiving. As God forgives us, we forgive others. Friends, God is of great concern of how we do in our relationship with others. But now notice also what else God has a great concern about. He says, you love your neighbor as yourself. God intends for you and I to have a right relationship with ourself. We need a a healthy, sound relationship with self. We need to realize that our goodness and our righteousness comes from God. That we are worth something because we have a soul and because we're a child of God. We need to realize that just as the Lord forgives us, we need to be able to forgive ourselves. Just as the Lord loves us, we need to be able to love ourselves. We need to realize that one of the greatest things that we can do for self is to serve God and to serve others. There's so many things that we can talk about as we talk about what does it mean to have a relationship with God? What does it mean to have a relationship with others? What does it mean to have a relationship with ourselves? But notice this next slide. As we see the first and second greatest commandment, it's obvious that that God and self and others, our relationships are interlinked. We create tremendous problems in our life whenever our idea of God is that God is a distant, cold God and, and that, that He's a Sunday thing and that He's someone we read about in the Scriptures and God would say, no, 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 I want to dwell in you and I want you to dwell in me. I want to adopt you into my family. I want you to know me. I want you to draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. God is pleading even paying the price by sending His Son, Jesus, to say, I want a relationship with you. I don't want to be an intellectual fact. I want a relationship with you. And friends, that same truth is also true us with others. Now, I know our personalities vary, and I know there's some in here that are bubbly and you can make a friend with a wall. And I know there's others that that we're just quiet or whatever. But friend, it doesn't matter what our personality is. We have a responsibility to others. We need to build strong relationships with our family. We need to build strong relationships with our neighbors. We need to build healthy relationships with co-workers. Friends, I can't be what God designed me to be and shrug off relationships. And I have to build that faithful and loyal relationship so that I'm true to myself, which means also true to my God. This morning... I close again by asking you, if someone's in a relationship with you, it might be God, it might be family, it might be neighbors, 
If someone's in a relationship with you, are they safe? Or do you deal in relationships in such a way that you're always hurting people? In the 1970s, Carl, he had his three-tier aerial act, the front man on the bicycle, lost his balance. The foursome fell. Two died. The woman on his shoulders, he reached out and caught her and grabbed the wire. And they were the only two to live. And the show went on the very next night. Friends, we look at that tightrope and we say, wow, that's dangerous. How many times have you watched a tightrope and you think, somebody could die doing that? I want you to go home this afternoon and I want you to look at your family. And I want you to say to yourself, this is dangerous. I better be careful. Souls could be lost if I don't deal righteously with this responsibility. I want you to look at your church family and say to yourself, you know, this is dangerous. Souls could be lost if I don't deal in a righteous manner in my relationship with my church family. Look at your relationship with God and realize it can be dangerous if we don't deal with it in a wise fashion. God is our safety net. He says, I'll forgive you. I'll help you back up. I'll give you another try. This morning, have you been baptized into Christ for remission of sins? Have you begun that relationship with God? If you're a believer that's repenting of sins and, and you're willing to confess before men, won't you be baptized to wash those sins away, to come out of that water as a brother of, or sister of Jesus Christ, a son or a daughter of God, the Father if you've done that, but yet somewhere along the way you, you've lost focus and, and you'd have to admit to yourself, I'm pretty dangerous right now when it comes to relationships and you want to refocus and you want to get your life back right with God and right with others. The place to start is getting it right with God. If your life isn't right with God and you need the prayers of the church, we can help you in any way. Come